that aspect in itself, if you were to take away every other piece of my job, Grant and I've had this conversation. It was, hey, if you could just do one thing, what would it do? And that one thing was, I just want to talk to people. I want to listen to people. I want to be able to be available for people. And a lot of times that's hard for me to be available for people. And I have to work at it. But it's one of my favorite parts of my job is when someone comes in and it's great because my back is to my door and I'll get the, I can kind of feel the presence of someone as they stand there and it's, uh, Hey Baker. And I turn, yeah, do you have a second? Not that I have the answers to everything, but I can sit there and I can listen. And when the, when it's appropriate, I can take time. I get to pray with them. I get to sit there and speak life into their, into their world, into their reality of what they're experiencing that for me, I hope they walk away and they're able to now, you know, love their wife better, love their husband better, love their kids better, be able to love that customer better, um, or even a vendor, right? Like that's my whole goal each and every day. Welcome to the Stewardship Podcast, where I am changing the intro tag. What? Yeah. Crazy. So, this is the Stewardship Podcast, where we help you leave it better than you found it. I don't know if that's what we're going to stick with, but stewardship is all about being entrusted with something, and we think good stewardship means taking the thing we've been entrusted with and improving it. So, that's that's what I'm going with, leaving it better than you found it. Yeah. I love it. And uh, listeners, if you don't like that, send us a message. Yeah. What is stewardship to you? Yeah. You know, a lot of people think that this podcast is all about money because at Stewardship, that's our company name, Mm -hmm. we help people with home loans, insurance, and investments. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stewardship, every time it's talked about in church, has to do with like a building campaign and money, right? But this is about life and about the things in our life that we want to try to be better stewards of and having conversations about that is important. Yeah. And sometimes it's about money. Mm-hmm. And stewardship is kind of a churchy word. Yeah. And churchiness is actually a good introduction to what we're talking about today. That was my segue, but you oh, called it out. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we have Brian Baker on the podcast with us. Hello. Uh, and Brian Baker is an employee here at Stewardship. You are the chief operations officer. Mm. And before you were employed here, uh, you were a vocational minister. I was. Yes. And that's kind of a thing because, as we mentioned in another podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, when we were talking with Brandon, there is something that happens, especially in evangelical communities, where we believe, whether we're consciously thinking this or we think it subconsciously, vocational ministry is like somehow better than just regular work. It's the end all be all, right? Yeah. Like if you're a Christian, you can be a pastor or you know, work in youth ministry or work in children's ministry or women's or whatever it is, like that's the end all be all. Yes. So now that you're not in vocational ministry, God doesn't like you as much, right? Untrue. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, and that's kind of what we want to talk about in today's podcast is how to make your work a ministry. Speaking with you specifically, Brian, about your move from vocational ministry to quote unquote regular work, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be I think relatable and help people understand how to better make their work a ministry. Cause here's the truth, man. Uh, what you do and how you do it is absolutely a ministry here at stewardship. And you are far and away everybody's favorite at the <laughs> office uh, because of that, because you make your work a ministry and you love people well, and you're an excellent shepherd 
in in your role, which is really really great. And the weekly youth group games are helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Man. <laughs> So much. I really wish we did that. That'd be awesome. I mean, I can add it to my processes. Let's be real. Yeah, we could. We could make that happen. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I want to talk a little bit about how you felt as you decided, oh, no, vocational ministry may not be for me. Right. And I have to think about doing regular work. What was that like for you just emotionally? Oh, man. there. Great question. This was for me – so much fear. So, so much fear. Fear from, you think about church, one of the things that's great about ministry, being in, you know, vocational ministry is there really is this value put on family, right? You mm-hmm. um, make sure, we talk about, make sure you have time for your family, make mm-hmm. sure you're leading your family, make sure you're there for your kids. And, and you're at, an excellent father who cares you. very, very much Thank about you. leading your, your, your family. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, and so there was this fear coming out of vocational ministry of, and I remember having this conversation with my wife of, I don't know if I'm going to find this. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to have this same value put on making sure I'm home for dinner making sure I make it to practices, making sure that I'm there for important life events, right? Or is it going to be a, hey, I got to go to work and it's going to be, I'm there from nine o'clock and I leave at five. And, you know, if my kids are sick or whatever, then it's just kind of like, sorry, you got to find me, you got to make arrangements. Because I know that's a reality for a lot of people and you hear stories about it. And so that was a legitimate fear for me was, am I going to be able to, A, Love my family the same way, and then B on the other side of that is like, what does that mean for me and my relationship with God? Like, oh. and even just like, how do other people see me? God, you know, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, just what do people like? I was a pastor, great. Now, now, what am I? Am I going to flip burgers? Am I going to? I don't know. Not that mm-hmm. those are wrong, but what does that mean for me and my identity? Because for over ten years, it was. And I'm in ministry and I'm doing God's work and I'm, um, you know, telling people about who Christ is and helping them come to Jesus. And that's really good. But I was afraid. What does that look like now? You had you could have your chest out in pride knowing that that's what, you know, your day to day work is in line with um, the ministry and the calling that God has given to all of us. Right. And mm-hmm. that's that's kind of cool. I want to talk a little bit more about how this impacted your relationship with God. And that was a fear too. What type of fears did you have? Like it was going to be, uh, your, you know, again, God was going to look at you differently and you weren't, aren't going to be as connected to him or how did you fear it would impact your relationship with God? I mean, when you, when I think about my relationship with God, I mean, the first thing I thought was, this is going to be a lot more work. Like it's going to be it's one thing when you work in ministry, you are constantly surrounded by people who hold you accountable, who encourage you daily to hey, are you in the word? Are you are you um are you doing the things you need to do to make sure that you are right with God? So all the spiritual disciplines that we talk Correct. about, reading, Correct. praying. The things the things that I for over ten years talked about with my students. With my volunteers, mm-hmm. hey, make sure you're doing X, Y, and Z. You know, make sure that you are, you know, doing the things you need to do so that when you come and you serve and you are like, 
you have the right mindset and you are you're loving and you're serving God with all that you can and you do you know so that was the fear is like oh my gosh I, again I got to put now into practice what I've been talking about for all these years and I was like man it's gonna be a lot more work because who's there to keep me accountable who's there to every single day Daniel you wanted to be in vocational ministry was the a uh, career hack of uh, <laughs> having easy spiritual disciplines be a part of your job. Was that a part of the thought process for you as well? Totally. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Like, I, this is this is new to me. Like this whole idea of like, oh yeah, working in vocational ministry makes my spiritual disciplines easier. Like this is this is good. Yeah. I uh, I thought I have a hard time reading the Bible every single day. So maybe if it was my job, I would do that. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I I bet that's not how it works. It is not. It is not how it works. Yes, I will say, it makes it easier. Sure, right? Because yeah. you're constantly having conversation with fellow pastors. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's your church or another church or somewhere else. You're, hey, what are you doing? Like, how are you? Like, what are you working on? Or how are, how are you growing your ministry? How are you growing yourself? How are you? You know, that's just part of the conversation. And mm-hmm. so you're like, I mean, you just do it because that's part of your job. And so this shift was, okay, this is no longer part of my job. So is this part of who I am in my relationship with God? Mm. So that was, it was different. Did you ever feel like quitting a job in vocational ministry was quitting on God? I never thought I was quitting on God. Like for me, my my foundation in my faith was deeper Mm. than the position that I held. Um, but I never, ever really felt like, hey, I'm, I'm going to quit this or I'm going to, you know, I'm no longer going to do vocational ministry. So now I'm quitting. I'm quitting on God. No, that never crossed my mind. That's good. So I'm, I'm, something is being revealed to me as, as part of this conversation. I've always had issues and problems with how evangelical society um, exalts vocational ministers because when it happens, um, it, it creates some of these unhealthy thoughts and mindsets. It uh, creates too much of an identity issue with people who are in vocational ministry, so much so that they fear uh, moving into a different career, even when they are genuinely called by God to do so. Um, there, It creates uh, unhealthy thoughts for people who are not in vocational ministry who think they are less than mm. or not as much. Mm. Um, and part of what I'm seeing here is it's more than just you know, churches and, and people in vocational ministry exalting those that are in vocational ministry, but it's also us in our mindset thinking that, oh yeah, well, if they're in vocational ministry, they're doing all the things that the church is yelling at me to do every week. My pastors and my mentors and the church ever since I was, you know, knee-height or grasshopper, as they say, has been telling me, hey, read the Bible, pray, read the Bible, pray. Serve. Serve. You know, yeah. Get involved. Yeah. Now I do that. Every day in my job. Oh, if you're doing that every day in your job, you must be super close to Jesus, mm. right? I, like I'm, I'm just now seeing that as, as a thought, which is like, man, that's what makes this topic even more important. That work, man, it, it, it really is, is a ministry. Now, we're going to jump into, in the second half of this, about things that you need to consider or things that you can practically do to make your work a ministry, because I know and wholeheartedly believe, not only from studying scripture, having been a Bible college graduate with a Christian ministries major, but also living it out here at Stewardship, that what you do and how you do it matters and can and will and should be a ministry. Hmm. And as we tease Baker, 
do you believe that the ministry that you have now as an employee of stewardship is less than the ministry that you had in vocational ministry? Absolutely not. Absolutely not, right? And, and we're going to walk people through the steps and things that they can do practically to make that happen in their lives as well. Now, uh, again, at Stewardship, we do talk about finances, as we mentioned it's at true, the beginning. We're not afraid. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> and, uh, well, that's what we do. We do home loans, insurance, and investments. And we want to give you some wisdom in a loving way through our one-minute money tip. Dan, hit them with the one-minute money tip. All right, when should I buy life insurance? Good question. So um, the, the biggest thing is to buy it when you have certain life changes, like you're getting married and starting a family. So life insurance is designed to replace your lost income if you pass away. So if you have someone who depends on your income, like spouse, family, uh, get it at that point. Also, maybe if you're a business owner, you have a business partnership, you need life insurance. If you pass away, you need to have your business partner have funds to buy out your share of the business for your spouse. So those, those are a couple examples. Um, also, think about it, especially when you're young. It's going to be a lot cheaper when you're younger, plus you lock in your insurability. Life insurance is all about your health. Something could happen to you later on down the road where you can no longer get life insurance. So when you're young, healthy, now's the time to consider it. So Grant, I remember a story you told me about when you I think this was at your graduation. Yeah. You had a conversation. I know where you're going. So you got a Bible degree you mentioned, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Christian uh, Christian Ministries. Yep. Christian Ministries, a double majored Christian Ministries and Business Administration. Yeah. So then what happened when someone asked you what career you were going into? Okay. So literally graduation day, we walk out of the gym where we had the graduation ceremony. There's a bunch of us standing in a circle and friends and be, uh, you know, naturally, my friends and fellow classmates uh, are there with their family members too, and aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas are there. Yeah, and I was just kind of going in a circle. Hey, what are you going to do when you now that you've graduated? What career are you going to go into? And of course, there's these vocational ministers that are. Hey, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to go be a missionary. I'm going to be yeah. a youth pastor. I'm going to be a teacher. And then I said, Oh, I'm going to start a, a mortgage company. It got really awkward, awkward. and silent. <laughs> And an elderly woman looks at me and says, isn't that a waste of a Bible college degree? Wow. And that's that's kind of when it hit me. Like, yeah, our world doesn't get it. Yeah. Because my desire to start a business in mortgages had to do with how much I poured into God's word while I was at Bible college. Mm. Because over and over and over again, I saw money talked about. I saw the, the the idea of stewardship talked about. And th- there are more pieces of scripture where Jesus talked about money than he talked about heaven or hell. Mm. So it's obvious that he knew it'd be important to us. And why? Oh, because he loves us and he's so smart and he knows that it would make a big impact on our lives and we have to have money handled well. So I wanted to be a place where people could go to where money would be handled well for them and it wouldn't be a problem in their life so that their relationships and other areas could be as awesome as possible. Because uh, the sad part is, we know that money is the number one cause of fights in a relationship that lead to a divorce, you know? Mm-hmm. And money can sometimes prevent parents from spending as much time with their kids as they want and them having to work longer and do different things that prevent them from volunteering or getting involved at their church or whatever else. So I could go on and on about that, Daniel. 
Yeah. Uh, but yep, that's yeah. that's uh that's a real deal story. And so what you did in starting stewardship, it's not about the money and it's not about the title of minister. It's about the people and how we treat people and how we love people. And it's you've almost filled the company with ministers. So well, Brian is one of three. Yep, one, one of three. One of three people who were in vocational ministry yeah. prior to coming to to work for stewardship. So, yeah, I kind of did that. I didn't do it on purpose, but just yeah, happened. just, just kind of happened, happened. organically. Yeah. Organically, yeah. Uh, we made a joke earlier, like that's what people say prior to podcasts when they're not organized or ready. They just say, hey, "What's going to be an organic conversation?" <laughs> uh, we're actually looking at notes, people who are listening, so we are totally prepared for this. Uh, now, I'm going to say something though that Baker wasn't prepared for. Oh, <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah, I uh, believe strongly in the work that you do and how you do it, so much so that I don't know anybody else who could do it like you. Um, the way that you serve, the way that you love, and the way that you see your day-to-day interactions is not only extremely refreshing as a business owner, but it breathes life into our mission of trying to love people through finances, um, which is awesome. And I know that your wife and probably, probably your kids, I can see your kids listening, are going to be listening to this episode because it's the first time you've ever been on the Stewardship Podcast. First time. Yep. So well, I, well, hold on. Not the first time. I did a little intro. That's right. You did a little, recorded anyways. This is different. <laughs> this is different. And they're going to be listening. And I want to say a message to Tirsa right now. Tirsa, not only is Brian doing awesome in this episode, but we love him like crazy. We are grateful for you and how you support and love him so that he can do what he does here because what he does and how he does it is a ministry and it's beautiful. So thank you. There it is. There's a moment where Brian cries. <laughs> got it. There, there it is. There it is. Uh, so I want to talk now specifically, how do you do that, Brian? What, what are the things that you do? What are the steps that you take in making it happen? And we've outlined... Uh, kind of four things. But before we do that, we kind of have to have the right mindset. Right. And that right mindset is, is what? Well, I think that you have to change your mindset of what work is, right? Mm. Um, is wor- it work punishment? <laughs> work is not punishment. Oh. Um, I, I think at one point in or another in life, we've all been in a job or we're just kind of like, man, I don't know if I want to do this, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to go today. I don't know if I want to, you know, talk to those people. Um, and so the, I think the biggest thing is we have to change our mindset on how we view work. Um, and so for me, I, I change my mindset or I change the way that I view work because it's not about the work for me. It's about how can I serve people? Ah. Uh. How can I do that? Yeah. Each and every day. How, when I come into the office, how do I serve people? And a fundamental truth of every single business, so every place that everybody works, is this truth. Somebody somewhere is being served. Correct. Without that, it's not a business. Correct. That is a fundamental truth of every single business. So before you have the rebuttal of, yeah, seems nice, Baker, but I can't really do that in my job because I do A, B, or C. Like, no, somebody somewhere is being served. Right. Otherwise, the business doesn't exist. Right. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And you mentioned before, Daniel, wait, isn't work punishment? <laughs> like, that's a thing that people think, that, yeah. that we have to go to work and work stinks because we sinned. But what's the truth? Well, the truth is work was around before sin was yes. around. Yes. 
but then sin made work more difficult to where we do have those days right. where we don't want to come in. Yeah. Well, if you have the right mindset and you know that, that we were created to contribute, that we were created to work and for work, and it's it's beautiful, and that if you do your best to serve other people, which is what Jesus did with his entire life, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve mm-hmm. and give his life as ransom for many, that that's the right mindset. But practically speaking, there are four things that we can do every single day when we go into work. And step one is worship through your effort. Baker, how do you make that come to life every day? I mean, what, what, I mean we talked this morning right. and you're like, Ugh, I'm tired. I was at the Suns game last night, didn't get home till late, uh, and now I'm not feeling it. Right. I, you know, I think it's funny. I had this conversation with my kids and with, with Tirsa. Um, there's a lot of days where you feel like that. I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go in. And I always come back and I always say this thing. Hey, you just got to put one foot in front of the other. Hmm. Right. You just have to start. Mm-hmm. What, no matter what it is, you got to put one foot in front of the other. And if you have the right mindset, serving people, the joy of serving people, the excitement of being able to love others, however that is, I think will come along with just by taking the first step. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's, I mean, for me, that's really what it is. Like, yeah. it's just, I, I, for me, when I don't want to do something or I want to come in, it's, I just got to get up and I just got to go. And it is one foot in front of the other. Making it happen. Making it happen. Well, you know, I'm, I am currently coaching my son's baseball team and we are 0-2. We've lost two. Congra- and, congratulations. Yep, I'm great. I'm an amazing coach. <laughs> uh, and after each game, you know, I'm asking, hey, did you give your best? Right. And this is more than just like uh, millennial, you know, unicorns and rainbows and drum gumdrops. Everybody gets a trophy, Daniel. Like this mm-hmm. is, did you give your best? This is important because I believe that God can be praised, honored, and worshipped through our effort. God has given each of us a, a, a body and the opportunity to work in that moment right there. So by putting one foot in front of the other, as you say, Baker, right. and we give our best with that step, we take that step the biggest, the strongest, the best that we can with what we've got that day, that effort is praiseworthy. When I played basketball at college, Dan, I would often play against players that were much better than me. I'm not a very good basketball player, Baker. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we would play teams that were very, very good. Uh, I mean, I'm 6'5", and I was sometimes having to guard the biggest guy on the other team who was like seven feet tall, <laughs> who was bigger, stronger, and faster than me. And there were times where they were getting rebounds over me like it was so easy, and my coach is yelling on the sideline, box him out! And I'm like, I am! He's just so big! He yeah. just pushes me out of the way and does whatever he wants. Um, and even though it may not look like my results were as good because I just wasn't as talented, I would literally, I know it's corny, I would literally imagine Jesus in this in the sidelines, like watching me play and me giving my best for him. And mm. then after it was done, saying that was for you. Wow. And yeah. it's more than just like, hey, I'm going to give my best. But it's genuinely saying like this, this effort is for you. Thank you for this opportunity because that's how you can make that effort worship and, and praiseworthy. And this is where uh, I believe somebody who maybe is a pastor of a billion different campuses mm. and thousands and thousands of people hear their voice every weekend. If you compare that to the guy who's digging ditches by himself, which of those is a greater act of worship? I don't know. Depends on their effort. 
and also depends on the second thing, sacrifice. Mm. Every day you are uh, doing things here as far as operations are concerned. Right. Where there's a problem, there's an issue. And somebody says, hey, how do I – I got this with the computer or I need the – Right. And you have no idea how to fix it. Right. And you stop whatever you're doing. I would say that's the majority of my week. Yeah. Hon- honestly. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to mention any names, but you know who you are. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the reality is, is each and every week, you know, I've got people – that come to me and say, Hey, I'm having this problem and I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what to do. Can you help me? And, and I'm going to say this right now. I don't, I legitimately don't mind. Like I love stopping what I'm doing to go help that person, even though it means for me that when grant you, you sit there and say, Hey, I need X, Y, and Z. If you could get me these things, that would be great. I know that that's in the back of my head. But I will stop what I'm doing for you because I know that this person, this person, this person, or this person is having an issue with something. And for me, that tears me up because I sit there and I think, okay, if they're having problems here, that probably means that they're not loving a customer the best that they can. Daniel, how many times has uh, Brian Baker stepped in for you? He's sacrificed to help you with something. I couldn't even begin to count. How, how does it make you feel? Uh, it makes me feel loved and uh, supported. You said it without me even <laughs> having to do it. Some of the greatest acts of love, some of the greatest acts of mm-hmm. worship include a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. See Jesus on the cross. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that what we're doing when we sacrifice is comparable to, to that, but sacrifice is important. Right. It's an excellent way to worship the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's where... The guy who's digging the ditch all alone, if he's given everything he's got, putting in the effort and really sacrificing versus the pastor, maybe even speaking to thousands of people, but it's not much of a sacrifice and their head and their heart is in the wrong place, meaning it's all about look at me Mm. instead of this is all about you, Lord. That's a very different act of worship, if worship at all. Right. Um, So first two steps. Give your best. Second one, sacrifice is good. It's important. Right. Mm-hmm. Those are two ways that we can worship. And and three, it kind of goes to what I had mentioned before um, about you know mentioning or m- imagining Jesus there and afterwards saying, hey, yeah, that was for you. I think we should create daily rituals right. where we are connecting with God uh, to ensure that, hey, yeah, that, that, that was for you. Is there anything that you do in your daily or weekly ritual as you work? Well, when I think about creating a daily ritual for me, it's more about making sure that when I walk through the door, I've got the right mindset. Yeah. Um, it is, am I in a place to serve people? And if I'm not, it's taking a moment to say, all right, God, I am not at my best today. Which is okay. It which happens. is Which is fine because yeah. we all have bad days and we yeah. all just are, we struggle at times and we all go through things. It's called life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it is before I walk in the door or a lot of times, especially right now, I get here super early. Like I'm here before anybody else and it's quiet and I'm by myself and it's just sitting here. I'm going, okay, what am I going to do today? And can I shift my mindset to be uh, in a way that is ready to love and serve the people that walk through the door? Whether it's a customer, mm-hmm. whether it's, um, you know, my coworkers or a vendor that walks in. Uh, for me, the daily ritual starts with, I got to make sure my mindset's right. It might be prayer. 
It might be listening to the Bible on my way into work. It might be um, just making sure that I leave the house um, with a good breakfast or, or um, you know, talking to my kids or kissing my wife or making sure that when I leave and I walk into this place, I'm ready to love and serve the people that are here. Yeah, I think this is goes back to some of the spiritual disciplines that we had talked about, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're listening to scripture on your way in or listening to, you know, the latest Hillsong music that gives you the feels so that you can sing it at the top <laughs> of your you know lungs on the way into work or whatever that is. For me, it's as simple as uh, walking up the stairs. I say a quick prayer and say, Lord, this is an opportunity to serve and love you. This is for you. And if I'm not at my best, I'm really calling on the Holy Spirit and asking for help. I need your help. Right. Right. Because we're not alone in this journey. Right. Uh, and God has given us the Holy Spirit if we have a relationship with him. And that's a big deal. But mm. the other ritual is when I walk down. Mm, when you leave. Yes. Saying, mm. hey, yes, that was for you. And hey, if I failed, I'm sorry. But guess what? I'm going to do better tomorrow. I'm going to give my best tomorrow. Or thank you, God, for that day and how great that was and the opportunity to worship you. Uh, we can and we should measure our day by the results that we got. But we also can and we should measure our day by how well we worshipped. Mm. What was your effort like? What was your sacrifice like? And then if we do it through these daily rituals and we have these daily rituals, it helps make worship come to life better. And our last step is, did you serve? Right. Baker, you said that's what you feel like your whole job is about. When you talk about being a vocational minister, what your job was versus what you do now, you said that. No, you, you, you are in ministry. Right. You are doing that. Well, when you say, my, my mindset has to be serving, how is it different? Or maybe even encourage people, how is it better now that you're not in vocational ministry? A lot of times people ask me about what is a chief operations officer? Sounds really boring, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, I, you know, I basically just tell people, you know, my whole goal is to make sure that the people of this office um, have what they need to do their job. And I try to go each and every day to serve them to the best of my ability so that they can do what they need to do. So Baker, earlier you mentioned that you actually enjoy being interrupted. I do. And good job interrupting him just now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, and people will come into your office and say, Hey, I, I have this issue and I, I need some help with it. Can you help me with this? Grant asked me how many times you've helped me with right. stuff. And the truth is, you don't really help me with podcast editing or I, anything like that. I know nothing about podcast editing, just to be clear. But there have been lots of times when I've walked into your office because of a non-work related issue. Hey, Baker, right. I'm having this issue. Can you help me with this? Because right. not only are you very aware of the operations of the company and how things work, you are aware of you know people. <laughs> you right. have a lot of wisdom of of experience. And so for me, as, as a, a, a coworker, You've helped me in my life. Right. I would say it's that aspect in itself. If you were to take away every other piece of my job mm. and oh, Grant and I've had this conversation, it was, hey, if you could just do one thing, what would it do? And that one thing was, I just want to talk to people. I just want to, I want to listen to people. Um, I wanted to, you know, I want to be able to be available for people. And a lot of times that's hard for me to be available for people and I have to work at it. But it's one of my favorite parts of my job is when someone comes in and it's great because my back is to my door and I'll get the, I can kind of feel the presence of someone as they stand there. And it's, uh, Hey Baker, 
And I turned, yeah, do you have a second? Of course. Yeah. Come in, shut the door. And, you know, and it's funny, a few years ago, you made a bunch of icons for people, right. Mm -hmm. That represented their job. And mine was a couch. Uh, and so that's people on Baker's couch. It's people on my couch. It's people that come into my office that sit down and say, I don't know what to do. I'm having a hard time communicating with my wife. I'm having a hard time communicating with my kids. I'm having a hard time, you know, with this customer because they're really starting to make me mad. Um, I don't know what to do. And not that I have the answers to everything, but I can sit there and I can listen. And when the, when it's appropriate, I can take time. I get to pray with them. I get to sit there and speak life into their, into their world, into their reality of what they're experiencing. Um, that for me, I hope they walk away and they're able to now, you know, love their wife better, love their husband better, love their kids better, be able to love that customer better, um, or even a vendor, right? Like that's my whole goal each and every day. Um, my dad used to say this to me all the time. It's kind of funny because you said this at the beginning was leave something better than you found it. Mm. Doesn't matter if it's a car that you borrowed that had a quarter ticket gas, bring it back with a full tank. If it's a yard tool that you borrowed that was dusty and grassy, bring it back sparkling clean. And somewhere along the way for me, it became important for people to apply that to people's lives. So when mm-hmm. someone comes into my life or someone walks into my office, my goal is to help make them a better person than when I first encountered them. Whether that's I'm encouraging them, I'm praying with them, I'm supporting them through their work or um, just the things that are important in their life. Like that's my ultimate goal. That's beautiful. And so many people desire that and want that in their jobs. They want to You know, it happens all the time from the pulpit that it's being said, oh, yeah, minister to the people that you're working with, right? Right. And and people want to do that, and they want to share Jesus with them, and they want to share love. And you want to know how to do that? If you worship with everything you've got, with your effort, and you sacrifice, and you have the right rituals, as you do, Baker, you now become somebody in your place of work that is trustworthy, Mm-hmm. And is worthy right. of having these conversations with. Look, if you weren't given your best when you came in, if you didn't make the sacrifices that you did, if you didn't have some of those rituals that help you make it happen, people wouldn't come to you. They wouldn't want to sit on your couch and talk to you about these things. Right. So if you want to have those types of relationships, if you want to have that type of impact with the people that you work with, if you want to make your work and ministry in that way, give your best. Right. Sacrifice. Have the right rituals because now you'll be seen as, as one of those people. Um, I think that that is absolutely beautiful. And I'm grateful, Brian, that you are a part of doing that here at Stewardship. It was funny, Dan, you started out the podcast with a new little intro, Leave Things Better, and you found it. And then Baker found a way to, hey, that's my mantra. It's the reason why we have him on the podcast and why he plays such a big role here. Like He lives out stewardship in his life. Uh, what a beautiful thing. You guys, I'm hopeful that you can be encouraged to make your work a ministry. You do not need to be in vocational ministry. You do not need to be a quote-unquote pastor. Give your best. God is pleased with that. It's praiseworthy. Sacrifice. Oh man, so much love comes through sacrifice. Create some daily rituals to, to help with it. And as you do, you'll be able to serve people well and help make people come maybe closer to Jesus. Live live better as better human beings, as better people of society. I think that's wonderful. Thanks again, Baker, for being on the episode. Thank you. Appreciate it. You guys, we will talk to you again in a few weeks.